Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Process Podcast. I'm Charlie Witkowski. That's Nick Veronica. And Nick, we got another guest this week to celebrate the Bills being 10 and 3. Who we got? We got Nick Woten, the managing editor of Bills Wire, uh, USA Today Sports Blog, dedicated specifically to the Bills. Nick, thanks for joining us here. The Bills are 10 and 3. Is this is uh, winning football? Does that correlate to good traffic for you? Or is this, is this the best week of your life or what? Um, yeah, that's, I, I couldn't have said it better myself, Nick. I mean, these wins, uh, help, help my pocketbook a little bit, but, uh, of course it's, it's something that, um, I don't think I need to explain to you guys. Uh, you know, uh, we're not exactly used to this type of, type of winning, right? Not, especially not this AFC's potential knock on wood here, uh, title winning uh, game that we might have this weekend. I'm, I'm sure we'll get there, but it's, uh, it's been quite the roller coaster ride that's actually had a lot more ups and downs this year, right? That's right. The Bills can clinch their first AFC East title since 1995 this week with a win against Denver or a Miami loss, or if they both tie, which won't happen, that would also clinch it in case you were wondering. Man, Charlie, what are you feeling down there? You were watching the game last week, another beating the Steelers on Sunday Night Football for the second year in a row. What were you feeling? What was your big takeaway from the game? Well, first, I was feeling really warm because I don't want to rub it in your guys' faces, but I'm down in Florida right now, so I got to watch the game outside. On the patio, by the pool. <laughs> it was a lovely day. It got even better afterwards. Um, but need to say, I mean, everywhere around here, I, I have a lot of friends, family down here in Florida who are from Buffalo. Um, a lot of friends of my parents are big Bills fans. And um, even throughout their neighborhood, they probably got about 10 to 12 people in their neighborhood who are big Bills fans. And everybody – Right now, which which you don't see every year, but everybody right now has their Bills flags out, um, some sort of Bills something in their front yard. So needless to say, Florida is buying into the Bills Mafia. Um, I was a little nervous with the start of the first half this week, but you know I, I was happy to see uh, Josh Allen and, and the boys turn around there in the second half. Needless to say, it was uh, um, th- these guys could be could be pretty dangerous in the second. Uh, Come down here in the last few weeks. Are you back in Fort Myers right now? I am. I'm actually calling you from my wife's, I guess, office room, whatever it is now. I don't know what it is. From I'm at I'm at my in-laws' house making, making okay. our podcast this week. So is it is it true? I've heard that Fort Myers actually has a huge uh, Buffalo transplant population. There really is. I mean, down here in, in Heaven's waiting room in Fort Myers, yes, that is true. Um, <laughs> there's also a lot of uh, uh, we we had one of the largest Bills backers bars in, hmm. uh, I guess in in all the Bills backers. Uh, I actually ran that bar down here for three years before I moved back to Buffalo. From when I was 18 to 21, I ran ran the, wow. the Bills. I backers did not bar, know that. Our, our, our chapter here. All right. Well, we're going to talk about uh, the Steelers game. Then we'll get into this week against Denver. We'll just go through it chronologically. So talk to me, guys. The build, the slow start here. Were you guys getting nervous about the game? The offense was not clicking early. I know the weather might have been a factor there. But uh, first half for the offense did not look good, which is atypical for them. Nick, what were you, what were you thinking during the first half? Um, it almost felt uh, like a little bit of nostalgia. All right, because the Bills were sputtering down the field. I think uh, something I wrote this week over at the Bills where their first six drives, I believe none of them went more than five plays, which is not great. 
Um, but that's kind of something we were used to in 2017, 2018, a couple of years ago, where then the defense was keeping them in the game. Uh, did not foresee, you know, Taron Johnson uh, um, jumping, jumping a Big Ben pass there and scoring. But uh, in, the, in the first half there, really, my, my overall feeling was that this is kind of a, a nostalgia feeling where the Bills defense is keeping them in the game and they just kind of need one play here or there or something to happen. And uh, it happened with Taron Johnson and, Hopefully the offense can do just enough, but uh, the offense did plenty. They ended up scoring 23 unanswered points, so it kind of was like a blast from the past in the first half, and then, oh yeah, it's 20, uh, as crazy as things have gone in just the entirety of this year. Uh, that was kind of how, how the Bills game unfolded, unfolded Excuse me, against the Steelers last week. Charlie, were you getting nervous when the Bills had a series of mistakes there, including the Dawson Knox? Uh, well, I guess it wasn't even a fumble. I guess it was just an interception. But uh, it seemed like things were going wrong continuously. And most of the Bills teams in our lifetimes have not been able to overcome really any mistakes. And that was, I mean, maybe three or four in a row, it felt like, in the first half. Yeah, you know, I think at this point of the season – I've realized I'm getting more and more nervous. I think a lot of that is because we have been let down so much in the past by this team that, and this organization in general, that it feels like this is just something that that, that you expect to happen. You expect the wheels to just start falling off at any point. And these big games, you know, the big uh, Sunday night football game against San Francisco, I'm sorry, the Monday night game against San Francisco, Sunday night against Pittsburgh, these are games that the Bills teams have passed don't win. These are games that, yeah, okay, yeah, we go in, we're all hyped up. Yeah, you know, they're a good team. Oh, they finally get all this national attention, and they come out and they lay a goose egg. So, yes, to answer your question, I was very nervous going into the first half, you know, most of the game. Um, but, again, the this this team, as, as we've said in shows past, when they play at their ceiling, there's no better team than the Buffalo Bills in football. And the defense played at their ceiling for four quarters. That first Not even half, the Chiefs? I don't know if I said that. Not even the Chiefs? I think the Bills at their ceiling are better than the Chiefs. That's a take. Yes. I don't know I, if I'm I, ready I to say, say that, that yet. I will say that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I heard somebody this week say that too. I uh, In my studio here that I'm in right now, uh, AKA my quarantine office at the foot of my bed um, and my desk here. I have, you know, ESPN get up on first take, which is just hot take galore. Somebody said that this week, man, I can't remember who it was not Dominique Foxworth. I'll tell you that right now, but it was, it, it was, was somebody Coward, else. maybe somebody was texting me about Coward. It, I'm like, man, why, Coward. Would I, why would I ever care what that guy says? Like he's literally will say whatever he thinks will get, will get people riled up. Right. And like, if, if you, he could have said, I think, you know, Miami was the best team. Like it wouldn't mean anything. It was just him saying something. So the fact that this week he chose the Bills to say, I wasn't like that. Then doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, it, it was essentially that. But somebody said it this week. Charlie has a more calculated take here, actually following the Bills and 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 actually at least seeing them play like one down mm-hmm. of football. Because I don't know how many other guys have. But uh, yeah, I know somebody said that this week. Hot hot take hot take week for the Buffalo Bills. I know, I know. Coward said something. And I know Mike, uh, not Mike Golick, the other Mike from Mike and Greenberg. Mike, Mike Greenberg. Greenberg also said that the Bills are the best team in the AFC right now. Um, he he gave them a lot of a lot of a lot of credit, a lot of praise. Um, but yeah, Nick, to answer your question, I, I I do think that the Bills at their ceiling can be better than the Chiefs. Now we haven't seen them at their ceiling a whole lot this year. You know, some games that you go back and you look at them at their ceiling is again the Seattle game. 
you go back and you look at the Rams game where they're at their ceiling. And even in those games, the defense didn't play, I think, at their ceiling. The second half of football for in, in, in the, this week against Pittsburgh was by far the best second half of football the Bills have played all, all, all season. Maybe even the, the best half in general because the defense was finally clicking. The defense finally looked like the defense everybody expected them to be this year. It took them 14 weeks to get there, but they finally got there, and they're finally gelling, and they're gelling at the right time, which is why I think they can be can be dangerous going forward. Um, but, Nick, I mean, right back to you, what were your thoughts going in? I, I mean, were you – you're always a little bit more, I guess you say, optimistic than I am. I, I'm always um, – you, know, you know, we say it all the time. You look at – this team differently. I know you're, you're not talking to me then. Oh, I, yeah. I, I think I think you I think <laughs> you switched that around. I think you're you're more optimistic, and I I don't know. I guess you would. Call you're more me. of a realist. You're more of a realist. Let's put it that way. You're more All of a right. realist. I think that you know why not us? The Bills get screwed at all, <laughs> get get screwed on every call, whatever. Um, but you 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 look at the team as a journalist, as someone who you know it's your job to write about this team. My job is to come on here and talk. And watch the game as a fan, as I've done for the last thirty years of my life. So, from your point of view, I mean, what were your thoughts, especially on that first half, and 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 going into the second yeah, half? Yeah, I mean, honestly, going into the game, I felt pretty good about the Bills' chances, even though the Steelers were eleven and one. I thought the thing you've seen with Ben Roethlisberger this year is he is. Um, I say this respectfully as someone who he's not really that much older than. He looks like an old guy playing quarterback. He does not want to get hit, and you're seeing – I forget the number they said. He had set the, some kind of record for consecutive pass attempts without being sacked. That's not an accident. Like, they are trying to get the ball out quickly, and they're trying to save Ben's body. So the deep shots were not there, and I thought that was – for a defense like the Bills, Sean McDermott would be able to scheme something up to take that away. The run game had not been good for several weeks in a row, and really all that kind of left was was the quick hitter stuff. And they have good players, like they 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 have talent, so that was something to deal with. But I was not worried about stopping them on offense. What I was most worried about was whether the Bills' offense could do anything against a great defense. In the first half, we really didn't see that, and that was the struggle that that was pretty apparent. And that was worrisome, especially with the errors. And then, man, Taron Johnson, what a play! Like totally, totally changed the whole game. Totally changed the game. And I then they come out in the third been... quarter where they've sucked all year. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I, and, and you know this, speaking of Taron Johnson real quick, I have been such a negative Nancy on Taron Johnson all year. I've been so unimpressed with him all season. Um, and I thought that that up until he got hurt, I thought that was outside of the interception even, I thought that was his uh, best game of the season. Yeah, dude, I mean, great play to go for the ball. Like when the ball's in the air, a defender has the right to go for the ball. He made, you know, there was some contact there. That's fine. He's going for the ball. And, I thought Juju could have maybe tried harder to tackle him. You know, a dive w- wouldn't have hurt, but great play for Taron. And the Bills had been getting their butts kicked in the third quarter all season. They had been outscored by double. It was 94 to 47 in the third quarter entering last game. And the Bills come out against the 11-1 Steelers and put it up 14 to nothing. That was so impressive. I don't know. I don't know I was buying to like the halftime adjustments thing because halftime – it feels long when you're like going to the bathroom and getting a snack, but when you're actually on the field, by the time you run into the bathroom or run into the locker room, use the bat, whatever, talk, the coach will say something. And then the time you get back out of there to warm up, there's not really that much 
going on at halftime. Like the coaches might talk about something, but halftime adjustments to me you are generally overrated. I don't know what what clicked in the in the third quarter there, but man, turn Johnson, turn them, turn the game around with that play. Yeah, I mean, he you could definitely tell that the team all of a sudden bought in pretty quick to uh, to whatever was going on. I mean, Taron Johnson flipped the morale real quick in that locker room. And and from what I heard from all the guys on uh, ESPN over the week, um, Sean McDermott and, and the coach staff, you, you definitely got to continue to tip your hat at them because they didn't go in kind of freaking out or anything like that. They, From what I heard, Josh Allen, everyone in that locker room, into that locker room, calm, cool, collected, and knew what they had to do in the second half. So that also just shows you how much this team has grown in the last few years from where they mm-hmm. were with and, and how much uh, mm-hmm. of a difference maker Tom McDermott and that coaching staff really is. Yeah. All right, I'll give you one uh, my, minor silver lining of the Bills playing lousy in the first half. So we've been talking about Corey Bajorquez having, outside of that one really bad shank punt, he's been having a darn good year. Holding's been another story. But as a punter, he's been doing great, right? Mm-hmm. Before this game, he had the Bills' offense was so good, he had not qualified for the punting leaderboard because he hadn't punted enough. You need two and a half punts per game on average to qualify. So he had four punts in the first half because the Bills couldn't move the ball, five in the game. That brought him above the threshold. He is now leading the NFL in punting average this season, uh, (laughs) 49.8 yards per punt. So maybe he's going to need this. He still needs to keep keep at it over over, uh, the last couple games to, to make sure he's above that average. But that would be a real shame if the guy had such a good year, but the offense just didn't need him at all and he didn't get recognized for it. So minor silver lining to Corey Bajorquez. And he's doing better holding the ball for field goals. So he laces out. Maybe, maybe he'll get to the Pro Bowl this year. Although, although I, I still find it questionable that Tyler Bass missed an extra point. It looked like uh, it went mm-hmm. over the goalpost again. But um, again, Nick, did you, you write know. about that? Was that your site I read? Had a story about that? No, I think that that was uh, New York Upstate that had that because I actually, um, you know, working in the, the media, Nick, that, you know, everyone pretends like they don't read each other's stuff, but everybody reads everyone's stuff. <laughs> but um, I read no that. I, actually, I was actually just, when Charlie said that, I was like, that that's right. That did happen. And I actually, when I was watching the game, didn't recall that happening at all. <laughs> so that's, that's yeah. my, I, I must have been just, you know. Yeah, they uh, didn't make a big deal of it on the broadcast. Like the same thing happened earlier where if you, if you kick the ball and it, goes above the bar, you're supposed to get all the way to the edge of the bar, but if the referee, the old man on the ground craning his neck looks up and thinks it, it missed, that's somehow it's not a reviewable play, even though it's a scoring play. So the, Tyler Bass definitely got screwed on that in week one, where his kick definitely looked like it went in. And this week, uh, they kind of just you know threw a commercial, like, oh, he missed, no big deal. If you really looked at it, it was pretty hard to tell where it actually crossed. It could have very well been a good field goal, and somehow that's not reviewable. I think the Bills should submit a rule change proposal this year to have that play be reviewable and i uh, i mean also it's 2020 why i mean i feel like the elephant in the room is like why isn't there like a laser or something that can like yeah this, same thing yeah it's the about the ball out. like yeah. yeah you you got enough people uh, like across the pond and and when i'm watching tottenham hurt me every weekend uh, <laughs> in the epl they're mm-hmm. screaming about like you know var and you know the the, the goal line technology and like you can't goal post mm-hmm. technology that would be like the least like upsetting thing ever right. like like it's it's like like who is gonna be like it's someone mm-hmm. what, what is a fan gonna say like no i had a better angle and went in like no yeah. no like, like the referees under the goal post don't have a good view <laughs> field goal 
Right. Anyway. Yeah. Well, they're, they're older, older gentlemen who are cra- like just looking up and craning their neck and looking backwards and like hoping to see this ball whizzing past their face. And I know it sounds technologically advanced to like put in goal post technology or use like how when you watch the golf channel, I think it's so cool how they show the path of the, of the drive now with, I think, I think they use Hawkeye for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really not that hard to do. It sounds, it sounds complicated for a broadcast network. That's not a, it's not a big pull. I don't think. Yeah. And also you might not think this is a big deal, but what if, you know, what if Tyler Bass misses Steve Christie's franchise record by one point for the most all-time scorer in Bill's history? I mean, yeah, we're gonna point we're gonna point back to Week 14 against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Process Podcast, and <laughs> that's what we said when he, when, in, in Week One. <laughs> it's you, the NFL can if that happens in a Super Bowl and they miss a call, and maybe it, like even if it doesn't affect the final the final outcome, if that affects the betting line or that affects the point total or that affects the first half, you know, alternate spread and somebody loses a ton of money. Like there, people are going to get pissed. It takes one person suing the NFL for them to be like, Oh my gosh, we got to change everything. And it's like, it might sound dumb if you're not like in the gambling scene or in, in anything like that. But th- these are serious things. And if it, I think the NFL has been lucky. It hasn't happened on a big enough stage to hurt him yet. No, the NFL is lucky that in my living room here, I have a, a TV in the corner because I got it for free. Not that I'm like balling out here or anything, um, but I got a projector and every week I'll put two games on um, when I'm definitely legally gambling on games in New York state. Uh, that one time we're dumb, dumb. I don't know if it was cream hunt or Nick Chubb, whatever Browns running back went down at the one and I threw something. I threw like my hat at the wall. Thankfully it was on the projector. But I was like, are you kidding me? You didn't cover the spread. That was enough. That was oh enough gosh. for me. I, I don't know if I've, I usually stick to money lines because wow. I don't need any of that. I don't need any of that happening. <laughs> quick, quick aside, well, did you least, watch the Monday night game? Money line, uh, there you go. Thank you. Oh, did you God, watch the Monday one, night yeah. game? I actually had a bet on that one. It was it, it it was like tonight. I mentioned you guys. I have this like crazy, and I went crazy on our video screen here because Hunter Henry scored for the second there. Um, oh, congrats! But, uh, that. Thank you. Yeah, last last Monday night, I had the Browns with the money line, but I know you're talking about with the three and a half. I took the money line. I needed them to win. They obviously lost, but I had like a bunch of crazy stuff. Like one of them was Dobbins to get a touchdown. He scored, but it was to go up 14. So I'm like, damn, finally he scored. And now the game's out of out of, out of hand. And then they come back and I'm like, oh, yeah, baby. here we go. Still yeah. alive. Still alive. And then just insanity ensued when yeah. I don't care. I'm mad about this bet. So I'm telling everyone, I'm telling my grandkids that Lamar Jackson pulled a Paul Pierce. I will hear none of it. <laughs> and you're, you're referencing him leaving the game to use the facilities. <laughs> yes, I, I will hear not, not here otherwise because I'm mad yes. about that bet. That was like um, a fun, I, I do these I do these dumb bets that are like five dollars and I'll pick like the team to win and like three or four player props and then like it'll give me like 150 bucks and I was Lamar Jackson just taking a number two like two seconds longer to where they had to put like I don't know like the Bills emergency quarterback is Micah Hyde because he played in high school like they would have put like that version of it like out there on that third down play but no. But no, Lamar runs out. He goes and he ruins my life, or my five dollar right. bet. One of those two. <laughs> well, I mean, listen. Just be glad you didn't have like Browns minus three and a half because if, if you missed the end of the game, they yeah. tried they tried a bunch of laterals at the end, and then ended up being being a safety on themselves on the last play and added two more points. And instead of losing by three, they lost by five. 
and ESPN and uh, Scott Van Pelt after the Monday after Monday night, they have a segment called Bad Beats, and that's exactly what it is, where you think you're about brutal to win. Beat. Yeah, brutal beat. And Scott Van Pelt, like they they showed they showed him on camera, and he's just trying to keep it together. Like his face was so funny. He's just looking at you. That's why we have a segment on the show. I'm like if you knew, you guys you know knew, the, uh, was, like that face was perfect. Do you guys know the the uh, this is my award that I didn't bring up to you guys at all before the, the show at all, but the, um, that I'm making up on the spot here, the Bills Brutal Beat of the season. Do you know what that is? No. The no, Bills Brutal Beat of the season was when they lost to the Hail Mary on the Cardinals. They were they were the under, what was it? It was two and a half, and then they didn't kick that extra point. Remember they kneeled on it? Mm, yeah. It, it was a half a point, and it ended up screwing up the spread because wow. they did not kick the extra point in that game. And I didn't bet that game. I usually don't bet the Bills because, you know, I'm, I already invested enough. But, uh, yeah, they didn't. Brutal. Brutal that wow. one. Wow. I, I, yeah, I totally missed that. Yeah, yeah. That's a true story. It was two and a half or something or one and a half, and they ended up hmm. not. Damn, Cliff Kingsbury had something on that game. But, you Jeez. know. <laughs> let, your, let me ask you extremely this. long brutal beat segment that we didn't know we were going to get on the process <laughs> podcast today let me ask you guys this question while we're on the topic of the browns okay not to get too far off topic of the pittsburgh game but while we're on the topic of the browns um do you do you guys honestly think the browns are for real like do the browns scare you as a team that buffalo may have to play in the first round of the playoffs um I don't think so. I, I, progressively week by week, because I think I wrote maybe two weeks ago uh, for Bills Wire, like what the playoff seating would be right now. And at some point it was the Battle of Lake Erie, whereas the Bills and Browns. And at that point, maybe a couple weeks ago, I was like, uh, this this Browns run game is not looking good for the Bills. But I mean, in recent weeks, not that the Bills are, you know, excellent against the run now, but uh, it seems like, you know, Tremaine Edmonds was really being held back by that shoulder issue he had Matt Milano is getting healthier by the day AJ Klein learned how to play football um you know I think it's I think their defensive line is really coming together that whole front seven that really makes me feel better about their run defense so I think the Bills had to play the Browns I would take that um in the second really yeah I'm gonna say the Browns are not for real I'm still Baker Mayfield I think has been better than definitely better than than last season when people were almost ready to write him off i don't know that he's really found it yet like josh allen has found it but the the biggest weakness of the bills would be run defense and the biggest strength of the browns is run offense so that matchup could be scary there but i think i'd still like the bills in that game especially at home yeah you know i kind of agree with you guys although the run the run offense of Cleveland does worry me. I don't worry as much about Baker and that receiving core, especially now without without OBJ. But uh, Nick Chubb is just such a game changer, and so is Kareem Hunt. Um, so they're both guys that just, just worry me, especially with the way uh, the Bills' rush defense has been. Um, you know, unless they really, really continue to improve every week, um, it's just something, something that, that would worry me. I know right now – the way everything looks, in case anyone was wondering, it looks like it's Buffalo and Indy right now for round one. Uh, but a lot of things can change there. I know Tennessee hasn't clinched the division yet. Um, and I know Indy just keeps winning as well. So so uh, that's another team that we I, I think Buffalo needs to start paying attention to as well and see what happens in that division with Indy and uh, Tennessee. 
Yeah, the Colts. I've been uh, surprised this year. I saw uh, there there was a there was a bet before the year, just straight up more wins, Bills or Colts. And all year I've been like, wow, that would be an easy win for the Bills. And then I keep looking at the Colts, and like they don't they don't impress me like the Bills have impressed me this year. But they keep winning games too. Yeah, I didn't think the Colts were that good. Then all of a sudden, I I like looked at the standings last week and like, wait, the Colts are like there. I, mm-hmm. I it kind of took me by surprise. Yeah. All right. So we talked about the first half, obviously we talked about kind of the, uh, the ups and downs really of that first half, the big Taron Johnson interception that really changed the game around, but the second half, third quarter, especially where we usually see this team fall apart on both sides of the ball. Best third half. The team has played all year. Um, Josh Allen finally looked comfortable. I tweeted a few times throughout the first half of the game saying Josh Allen just, just not look comfortable in the pocket. He looked like he was afraid to get a stance. Um, tip of the hat to Daryl Williams, who did a really good job against TJ Watt. You know, he gets a lot of praise because of who he is, I think, and and because of who his brother is and because of the name on the back of his jersey. But TJ Watt is a very good defensive end um, and someone that did worry me going into this game. But, uh, you know, Josh Allen looked like he calmed down in the second half, found Stephon Diggs, and really started build, building some confidence there early on in the second half. Yeah, it was the Stefan Diggs show in the third quarter. Oh, to say the least. I mean, Nick, we've talked about it uh, on the show as well. Stefan Diggs has completely changed this team. Completely changed this team. Every single and week he does something that just like is totally amazing. And you just you just keep waiting for it and it keeps happening every single week. That's my favorite part mm-hmm. of of uh watching the Bills is waiting for Stefan Diggs to just do something ridiculous because it happens every single game. He's at, he's at 100 receptions right now, which ties the franchise record by Eric Moulds, and he will be hopefully the first Bill to ever top 100 receptions uh, early Saturday evening. If he doesn't get over 100, I'd obviously be shocked. I mean, he's, he's going to get – he'll get there, if not in the first quarter, you know, early mm-hmm. on there pretty quick. Uh, yeah, if, if there was such a thing as a halftime adjustment, I think it would have been Stefan Diggs going to the locker room saying – these guys can't cover me. Just keep throwing me the damn ball. I'll catch it. And he mm-hmm. he just makes people look stupid. Like every like every time, like every week, somebody, a couple of the film Twitter guys I follow, they'll post a GIF or um, not a GIF, just like a series of screenshots. And it'll be like, hey, here's these two guys. And here's like four frames later. And Stefan Diggs made this guy fall down. And he has like 10 yards of separation. Like every week. I don't understand it. His touchdown, he took the, just, just ran three people over. Like, Every week, it's something. It's so much fun. Yeah, I, I mean, and 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 Nick, to your to your end, I guess Nick on my right. This, we we next time we gotta change you guys' names. You guys gotta change names around. There's too many Nicks in this in this in this <laughs> show today. Um, but Nick, I, I mean, what what are your thoughts? I, obviously, we know how all of Bill's mafia feels about Stephon Diggs and this receiving core. We know what Minnesota thought about Stephon Diggs and thinking that he was going to come in here and be a huge drama queen and hurt Josh Allen more than help him. But Stephon Diggs has really come in to this team, put the team on his back, has been nothing but a leader, nothing but a great team player for Josh Allen. And even in, in games this season where he hasn't gotten the ball much, he has done nothing but been supportive of every offensive player, defensive player on this team. Yeah, I I mean, he's certainly a guy that's uh, I I never saw really 
in my life for play for the Bills, right? I mean, I, I vaguely remember Eric Moulds playing for the Bills. Um, I more so remember the garbage players throwing him the ball half the time <laughs> that he was here uh, than anything else. But, um, yeah, I think uh, I think he certainly the, – the Bills, I'm not going to say they won that trade, but it just – a lot of people, it's cliche. They call it a win, win-win deal. Uh, you know, they got Justin Jefferson out of it. He looks pretty good. He looks happier to be in Minnesota than Diggs was, and Diggs looks happy to be here. Um, I think really to, to the other Nick's point here, the only halftime adjustments you can really make is, is you know, Brian Dable or, or DeBall or DeBull, whatever Chris Collinsworth said uh, on the broadcast, um, is, is Brian Dable's play calling. And it seemed like he just was like, all right, you know what? Uh, we got to get the ball out quicker because they can't really block, you know, Hayward. And Watt was was, was held. Uh, I think he maybe had a maybe had a pass defended or something like that. There was one, one play really where he stood out in the first half. Uh, to your guys' point, Darrell Williams played really well uh, against him, I thought. Um, I think maybe Hayward, they started double-teaming him a little bit more because I think the Steelers were purposely putting him over. Um, Ike uh, Boddicker, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who's only at four stars, and he was just blowing him up uh, on a couple occasions. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I, uh, I think it was earlier this week. Um, again, I have the hot take experts over here uh, next to me all morning uh, when I'm when I'm doing work. Uh, I think Bomani Jones or somebody said that uh, you know Josh Allen played bad because his completions were only five five and a half yards per attempt or something. I was like, no, that was just they needed to get the ball out quicker because mm-hmm. like, like that was just I thought the the minor scheme change that they made because uh, I I don't have the numbers in front of me at all, but I would you know uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised surprise of Stefan Diggs' mm-hmm. best game catch because even his touchdown, you think, it was right before first, first down marker and he took it another 15 yards upfield and scored. That's kind of a, a lot of what Stefan Diggs in that game was right out of the right out of the, the, the halftime um, uh, you know, meeting or whatever he had. So it seemed just like Brian Dable was like, all right, you know what? We're going to hike it. We're going to find the best player on our team. Simple. My, my favorite thing about this year's Josh Allen as opposed to last year's Josh Allen is it seemed like Josh Allen was trying too hard to make a play right this year josh allen seems to be able to find his guy whoever it might be deep or short and say okay you got the ball you go work your magic and that's the best part about stefan Diggs. that's what's great about a guy like cole beasley as well and even john brown to that to that point as well there are three guys who you can just get them the ball and let john brown use his speed the stefan Diggs. Just juke everyone out of their out of their jockstrap every week, and Cole Beasley is just always open. So I mean, it's made Josh Allen's job so much easier than years past. Yeah, the, the talent around him is incredible. I think that is kind of overlooked in the Josh Allen breakout stories that they have elite players uh, or elite pass catchers, I guess, all around him. And I feel like. A lot of quarterbacks would be successful in this offense. I think Sam Donald is not really getting a fair shake under Adam Gase. I think Sam Donald would probably look pretty good with three years under Brian or two years under Brian Dable and this many good receivers around him. And well, and you know what worries me too is, you know, and, and again we've talked about this before, and this is something we'll get into with 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 you, Nick, here towards the end. But for how good Brian Dable has turned around Josh Allen and this offense, you know this year from last year, even, even how, how, how much better they were last year than the year before. Um, it just worries me so much that he's going to get a head coaching job somewhere and he's, he's going to be out of Buffalo and, and uh, you know, I don't really know what Ken Dorsey can really bring um, 
you know, as an upgrade. Obviously, he's he's been in the system. He's been working behind Dable, and this is what they're training him for. But, um, you know, is, is Ken Dorsey, I guess, the next guy in line if and when Dable leaves? That'd be interesting if uh, Ken Dorsey is because he's. I don't think he's ever called plays in any of his career. He went to college briefly, and he was, like, an athletic director before the Bills hired him for, like, four months or something crazy, like, weird like that. He was just like, all right, I'm just going to hang out here in Florida for a bit. Maybe it was FIU or so. I don't remember where it was. But, yeah, uh, I remember specifically looking that up if he's called plays before, and he hasn't. But, you know, he's done He's done the football thing for, for a little bit of his life. So got to give him that. So looking, I guess, ahead in this game, you know, flash forward to the fourth quarter, Pittsburgh starts trying to make it a bit, a little bit more of a, more of a game there. Um, but again, the defense just kind of stood tough the entire game. And usually when we see the defense this season, especially start to collapse, they kept it together third quarter. Again, I know we keep harping on how, how, how they played that third quarter, but you can't help, but not, you, you can't not ignore it. The third quarter was the best third quarter of football that this team has played, bar none, this season. Um, so, Nick Veronica, question for you. D- did you at any point in the second half, I know we talked about the first half, any point in the second half kind of feel like, okay, Buffalo could lose, you know, offense needs to keep going, defense needs to keep doing what they're doing. Did you at any point kind of question what, or I, maybe not even question might not be the right word, but, did you at any point start to maybe get nervous? Like, hey, we've seen this before. We saw this with with Arizona. We saw this with the Rams where, okay, the team's up. Now here we are late third quarter, early mm-hmm. fourth quarter, and the wheels start falling off. Did you have mm-hmm. any feelings that maybe that was going to happen this week? All right, so I'm going back through my notes here that when I rewatched the game, I, I just scribbled some things down. They're, they're overwhelmingly positive. I wrote down, like, my second half here, Stefan Diggs is a beast. Andre Roberts should be all pro like every week. Andre Roberts like takes nothing and turns it into something like consistently, consistently good. Uh, Brian Dable, like I'm worried that he is like flexing too much on national television the last couple of weeks. Like he's going to get noticed and I'm growing more concerned with uh, his, his return to the bills next year. There were two points where I started like had a little bit of nervousness. Uh, One of them was when the bills got down to the one yard line. And I don't know, I'd have to look like what, what the league wide rate is, but I feel like the bills are not super great at like, like on the one yard line this year. So they got down there. You're like, wow, they should score pretty easy after, after that penalty in the end zone and their first play, they lost like four yards on the first run. Like, how do you, how do you do that? Like, how can the line get blown up that badly where you lose four yards on a Everybody saw that run coming though. Everybody saw that run coming though. Like, I, I feel like you. You and I at home, yeah, and everyone at home could have sat there and said, "Hey, they're going to run the ball." Like it was a dumb play call, if you want my opinion. That that I mean that's certainly part of it. It's just embarrassing to lose lose four yards when you started on the one, and the the rest of that drive didn't work out. And you're like, wait a minute, they had they had the ball on the one, like ready for to you know put the kill shot on, and now now they're kicking the field goal here. Like that that was frustrating. And then you're like, all right, they're still up enough. Then. After Levi Wallace had a great interception, then the Bills got backed up with a penalty, and you're looking at the clock, and you're like, damn, it's third and 11, and they're only going to run like a minute, a minute and a half off of this clock here and give Pittsburgh the ball right back. And then out of nowhere, kind of a nice play design, honestly. Um, Austin Knox got loose. The, the Steelers blitz. Knox, Knox slipped out behind it. 
picked up third and 11, and then the Bills ran out the final seven minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. That was a statement ending after after that play. But the third and 11, I'm like, wow, they did, got a great interception, and now they're only going to take a minute off the clock and give the ball back to them? Like, that doesn't – that 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 was nerve-wracking for, for all of one play right there. And then Dawson Knox slipped out, Josh beat the blitz, game was over. So – Overall, like how Bills games, how we know Bills games could go, like wasn't too wasn't too worried. No, my favorite play of that drive was a Josh Allen, um, I guess QB sweep that he had there um, to pick up the first down. Well, what should have been a first down? The rest, Mark, oh, was yeah, short and that was that was one. a real naked bootleg. I think when I when I looked on it, they they pulled to the right, then he faked and came out. He had no blockers over there, and it worked. And he. I thought he had the first down. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty – I can't believe the booth didn't review that. It was inside two minutes. You're not going to review the spot on a first down on a questionable play? Isn't the rule, though, like where he starts the slide? Like it looked like he started the slide, you know, unfortunately short. But um, I, 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 that rule I feel like it's mm. changed. I don't know. I was – yeah, I was assuming it was when still when his knee – where the ball is when his knee hits the ground. But I guess – I guess I'd have to look if, if you're intentionally giving yourself up, maybe that does change it. But I don't know. Still, like that's an important play. You're not going to at least review it. Going back to the first point you made, Nick, on the, th- the, the I guess the play before the third and uh, the, the first down that got them down to the one yard line. So this is for both Knicks, right? I'm talking did about the guys, long bomb that there was a penalty the long, on? The long bomb. Yeah. Did you see the replay at all? Did you see. Because uh, I know a lot of Bills Mafia, Bills Twitter was pretty up in arms about the fact that Josh Allen missed the wide open Cole Beasley uh, on that rollout. Did you guys see that as well? I mean, I saw Cole Beasley open, but I could see why Josh Allen would have said, "No, I'm not going to Cole. I'm going deep to Dawson Knox." So, Nick too. I mean, it, I mean, it seems like uh, you know that play in general. Um, I mean, that's that sounds like a little bit of Josh Allen hero ball, right? Like he's going to try to make something happen. That's kind of it. Almost is his nature, right? I mean, it works out sometimes, and as long as he's not, uh, you know, Houston Texans getting tackled and throwing it to Dawson Knox that way, I, it, it's it's okay by me. You know, it's it, sometimes it'll work out, sometimes it won't. But uh, he's kind of taken that a little bit out of his game, I think, in recent recent weeks a bit. Um, it was there in the middle of the season a little bit, but. Uh, mm-hmm. he's gotten away from he's that. So, yeah. So occasions like that, of course we'll take, but, um, yeah, just, just not the insane mm-hmm. ones. So I actually, I, yeah, sorry. I didn't, I didn't even rewatch the game. I didn't see Beasley there. I guess if I watched from, uh, like the all 22, I might've seen it, but I will say Allen made the right call. He had a guy open in the end zone and that that's a more valuable play than throwing a Cole Beasley short, shorter of the end zone. And, the, the other guy grabbed the defender, grabbed your tight end. So he didn't score a touchdown and just took the penalty. Like it was pretty, pretty obvious. So I'm not going to fault a guy for throwing a, an open player in the end zone. And Do- and Knox still almost held on to it. I mean, listen, I, I, at one point, I also think I tweeted out throughout the game. Like I'm, I've seen enough of Dawson Knox, like done with it. Yeah. He's a real roller coaster of a, of a, well, especially of a she- day, but of a, of a season. He's the offensive. He's the offensive AJ Klein, for me. <laughs> so you might you might not know this, Nick, but I am a very I, I I'm I'm not an AJ Klein fan. I do not like AJ Klein. I have been ready to dump AJ Klein for three fourths of the season. 
Um, I did not think he was a, a solid substitute for Matt Milano. I think he had one good game. Um, if there's one thing that's guaranteed right now in life, if it's uh, death taxes and an AJ Klein missed tackle on third down because he is missing. I, I feel like every big third down play that the defense faces where they need a big tackle, AJ Klein is missing a tackle in the backfield and somehow the that offense is picking up a first down. So your thoughts on Dawson Knox. Does he have a spot on this team next year or does this team decide, hey, we've seen enough of you and keep rolling with Tyler Croft for another year? Mm, that's a that's certainly a, a a little bit of a tough situation for for them to be in right now. Um I mean, at that position you you it's what it is. You want something better, of course, than uh than a Dawson Knox has given you. Tyler Croft has had a couple here or there games. Um, but a lot of it, I feel like, has to do with that the Bills kind of just don't go to their tight ends either. I mean, they have so many receivers that it just seems like they just don't prioritize their tight ends. So it almost comes down to, do you want the Bills to, you know, go, I think, was it the Bears who took a first-round tight end, that uh, Cole Komet guy or whatever uh, this past year? Do, they, do you want them to take an early... Uh, early tight end prospect Do you want him to take another swing in the third round that maybe you can you know hey Dawson you're not you know we're not gonna bench you or anything like that you gotta you know fight for your job here type deal you know it's not gonna be you know you get a first round pick he's, he's gonna play a first or second round pick like the Bills to your point seem to go with Cody Ford I feel like Cody Ford's not a great football player in the trenches um he's of course hurt now so we don't have to argue about that anymore but um those first two rounds, they try to force people in. Do you try to go another third round pick? I wouldn't hate the, I mean, we're forecasting so far in the future right now, but, um, you know, I wouldn't hate the Bills adding some other competition there because, I mean, Dawson Knox kind of, his rookie year, just had those had those flashy plays. I mean, you immediately think of that Bengals game where he just bowled over everyone. And, um, yeah, this year it's just uh, – the thing that really gets me sometimes too with the guy is uh, his blocking. It seems like once a game it's just like – what are you doing? Um, at some point last week, I, I think it just went down as incompletion, not really close to an interception, but uh, Cam Sutton was coming off the edge, and it was kind of one of those chip block plays where, you know, like they come out the back or the tight end, they try to chip them, block them, and then say, you know, I'm open over here in the flat. He just like, like the, the cornerback that was like half his size was just like, just like went right through him and went right to like Allen. Like he barely even chipped him. Like it was, it, his blocking is just brutal. So I can kind of see why they have uh, going to bowl this week uh, uh, going into Denver, uh, why they have him in the lineup because, you know, these, these top two guys are not all around tight ends. Dawson Knox is definitely not all around, let alone you got to be a playmaker. And well, he leaves a little bit to be desired. Yeah, I think uh, he's got he's got what he's got going for him is that he seems like he's one of Sean McDermott's and Brandon Bean's guys, and they seem to really like give an opportunity to their guys. So you got not Knox has um, you know three more I'm sorry two more years after this year on his contract. Kraft's gonna be a free agent. I think at his salary they're gonna let him go and maybe look for something else. But I think exactly what. You, what you said is that they don't really prioritize the tight end in this offense. And given that, I don't think they're going to look to spend a crazy amount at that position. So the other question I'm getting a lot of too, since we're on the tight end and, and this, the I guess the last question from this past week, then I want to start getting into Broncos game and, you know, get your final thoughts on, on Pittsburgh, but um, Trent Murphy 
and Tyler Croft have both been inactive multiple weeks in a row. Um, obviously, I, I don't think it's hurt the defense. I think the defense has looked fine without Trent Murphy. It's not killing the offense, but the only negative to uh, Tyler Croft being out is you're going to see a lot more of Lee Smith, who I am also not a big Lee Smith fan. Um, but again, but like, to both of you, why? I guess would be a question. I mean, you're paying uh, Trent Murphy a lot of money to sit on the bench at this point. And I think he's an upgrade over Epinesa where I would rather see Epinesa who hasn't had a full training camp, who didn't have a full off season with the team, you know, take the year, learn the defense, take his time. Don't rush him in. Um, And Tyler Croft, I think Tyler Croft right now is a better tight end than Dawson Knox's. Um, I feel like they don't, neither one really has a leg up on the other. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts about that? And then as well, your final thoughts on the Pittsburgh game. Go ahead, Nick. Um, I think Trent Murphy not playing is fine. I don't really care about his salary. I think that's a good problem to have when you're a team with championship aspirations. He's making a lot of money. And if he's not playing, he doesn't get in the lineup. And those are those are conversations for the offseason. And once the season starts, I think your salary kind of goes out the window. And if they are prioritizing Epinesa over him, I think that's a move kind of for the future where you say, I mean, what what does it help you, you know, if he's 1%, 2% better, if he's gone next year and we got this other rookie who didn't have a training camp and we're going to let him play. And he's basically an expensive death player. And that's that's fine. I don't think there's any need to force him into the lineup. If somebody gets injured, you got a great backup to come in. If you need some more rotation, if you need some help, um, I think that that's just what it is. He's he's not clearly better than the people they have. And given that he is uh, his contract's coming up and they have a rookie there, you're going to see the rookie more. If if he had played, it was cert- more playing time was certainly available to him had he played his way into the lineup. I think. And if he's not doing that, he says he sits, and I think that's fine when you're, when you're uh, where the bills are. Yeah, I think uh, to your to your point, Nick, it's like a good problem to have, as you said. Um, I think the only reason why it gets brought up at all is because of the world that we're living in right now, and the fact that if they would have cut him, they would have gotten that salary cap space, and it would have mm-hmm. rolled over. And I think if it wasn't for that, nobody would care at all about Trent Murphy mm-hmm. not playing. Yeah, and great point. But, the only reason why people care is that what is the salary cap going to be next year? It's like the first time in our lifetime that the salary cap is projected to go down. Um, mm-hmm. The Bills want to re-sign Matt Milano, so a lot of people were saying that that was the case. Um, but as long as you know the Bills, I, I, to their credit, if they, you know, if they go to the AFC Championship game. I don't think anyone's going to care about you know this whole Trent Murphy thing either. If they win a playoff game as long as they do something like that. I don't think anyone's going to care. Um, but yeah, that's that's the only reason why anyone cares about it. And as long as they, honestly, if I, as long as they get Matt Milano under contract, I think that's the one guy that people want under contract. Mm-hmm. You get John Feliciano as well. He's probably the number two free agent. I would say right there. Um, you wanted that cap space to roll over, but again, it could be a case where the NFL just says. We're the NFL, and we all have billions of dollars. Let's just <laughs> let's just run with this salary cap thing and not drop mm-hmm. it a lot. So it, it really is, is is I guess Brandon Bean probably figured, you know what? I don't want to 
worry about things that are out of my hand. You, you know, that's kind of what Sean McDermott says all the time, right? He doesn't want to worry about things he can't control. He can't control the salary crafts coming next year, so screw it. Let's put Trent Murphy in there. Let's give AJ Epinesa a little bit of time to develop, uh, and here we are. So I, I, I agree with you guys on, on all your points there. Um, you know, I do think, again, with the cap with Trent Murphy, that's always something that everyone kind of keeps, uh, uh, keeps an eye on. Uh, because they could have cut him. They could have avoided this whole situation already. Um, understandable why they didn't, especially because Epinesa didn't have that whole um, offseason to really get acquainted with this team, and the, and, and the this coach staff couldn't really see what he could do. Um, but I have no problem with it. I, I, I actually like Trent Murphy. I don't think he's he hurts the team when he's on the field, but it also doesn't hurt the team when he's off the field. So it's, again, a good problem to have. Um now, final thoughts on Pittsburgh before we move on, before we're on to Denver. Um, Nick, Veronica, you want to start us off? Um, my final thought is that the this just feels good, watching a team that goes on national television, and I'm trying not to say the F word here, and just messes people up. This is great. The Bills had never before in team history won primetime games by 10 points or more in consecutive weeks. This this is a feeling Bills fans Bills fans woke up on uh, Monday morning and had never felt like that before. There's only one other time that they ever won on primetime in back-to-back weeks in 93, but those were one of them was was a tight game. The Bills just went on Sunday night football and Monday night football two weeks in a row and dominated. That is just mm-hmm unbelievable for someone who like we we know the history here and even uh i remember in 2016 when the rex was was playing the jets there was a big story about the bills in prime time had lost some ungodly like 17 in a row i'm I forget the exact number but something t- it was it was like a running joke it was like oh no and then you get you get to the end of the year like please don't flex us because you know the bills are not going to win that game this team wins those games that is cool yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely a different feeling to Nick's point where we're used to. Uh, I mean, I'll say it. I, I I hold my predictions to, you know, to the highest standard. I thought the Bills were going to lose this game. Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be a, um, you know, the Steelers blowing them out or anything. I picked the Steelers that it is lined up. I thought as a game where, you know, my biggest thing was the Steelers almost beat the Bills last year. And I know they're a different team, but they had a guy named Duck throwing the damn ball last year, and the Bills needed a touchdown to Tyler Croft out of nowhere to win this game last year, right? Still mm-hmm. a good defense, but yeah, it's it's just, you know, the Bills came out and they, they handled their business, and it's kind of a different uh, different feeling that we're used to, and uh, and while we're on the prom time point, if, if anyone who listens to this is part of that Bills Mafia faction that goes on Twitter and it's like, I love 1 p.m. games and blah, 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 like, you know, we did that for like, two decades like just enjoy it like we could go back <laughs> like, like the next two decades just like it is like such as like i need likes on twitter so i'm gonna say i like campaigns <laughs> like just stop it just like i i hate it i'm up to like two in the morning writing i hate it i have a reason to hate it but bills fans you just love it right like i mean this is great they are undefeated they're seven and oh this year on uh on sunday at 1 p.m all right we're gonna edit that one out next i'm gonna call it up <laughs> 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 but uh I'm gonna call no, uh, yeah, no, for, for yeah it's 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 just it's fun you, you, you get that little extra sense of pride being a buffalonian and you're 
you know, I know we have a little man syndrome up in Buffalo that, hey, we beat the crap out of the Steelers in the second half, and everyone saw it happen. You cannot debate it. This week, Charlie, uh, Charlie, we might be losing you. We'll, we'll bring it back in in one sec. <laughs> uh, Denver, the Bills, uh, Nick, they posted the video today of the guys having a snowball fight after practice, and my first thought was if there's one team that is not afraid of going to Denver in late December, it's this team. That, that game doesn't scare anybody. It's cold. Okay. It's cold here. We got snow. We're not afraid. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 one thing to go off of it. They certainly weren't uh, certainly weren't weren't afraid to show that. Well, uh, <laughs> apparently that's Terry Pagula recording that video too. Like, <laughs> yeah, Church Davis White yelling like, at him. <laughs> like that's all I could like think of that whole time. Like whenever I see Terry Pagula, he's just like not that he's I don't know him personally at all. I took an elevator with him once, and him and Kim once. Uh, in Harbor Center. It was awkward. <laughs> and, um, that's a true story. And I've never really, we've never really talked. He never doesn't talk to the media, so I never ever spoke to him when I was there. And uh, I could just, I get like, just kind of picture. That was the first thing in my mind. It's like, what is Terry Pagula doing in the middle of this? <laughs> like, like, what? There's like a door in the background. Maybe he just walked out. But uh, yeah, no, the first, I, I ended up tweeting out that, you know, Trey White being from uh, Louisiana is a terrible snowball fighter as well I mean, he's like <laughs> yeah. he's like standing like no ducking for cover yeah, just like did, right did, didn't pack him very well either yeah i'm I, i'm cutting in for my snowball fighting team but no i mean they're the the at this point of the, again you know i complain about the prime time complainers um i mean the bills are entering week 15 of the nfl season and are having fun that's <laughs> when do we expect that usually usually it's rex ryan is getting fired after this next game and Anthony Lynn's going to come on the podium and accidentally announce that Cardell Jones is starting instead of EJ Manuel in like two weeks from now, you know? That was, that was something. But, yeah, it's they're having fun. They're having fun and give it to them. They're, they're young guys. They're younger than me, most of them. So, yeah. I, I, was, I was on here last week saying that Drew Locke does not scare me at all. Are you guys worried about Drew Locke or the Denver offense? Um. Yes, a little bit. Uh, you know, again, you look at that running game. The running game is all. No matter what team Buffalo plays right now, the running game is always going to scare me. Um, but let's face it, this is a different game than what we've had for Buffalo in the past. This is a uh, a win in your in situation, and not just a win in your in. It's a win and you clinch the AFC East. Uh, so, I think the Bills are going to come out hungry this game. I'm I'm expecting the defense to continue to take those steps up, like what they did last week against Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's a better offense than what Denver has. I think Ben Roethlisberger is obviously a better quarterback than what Drew Locke is. Um, but they do have KJ Ham- Hamler, and Hamler's got a little bit of speed to him. So I'm going to be curious to see how the defense um, works with a, a against a speed guy like that. And Locke just likes to come out and sling the ball, man. He's You want to talk about an up-and-down roller coaster quarterback, he's been that guy this year. When he's been healthy, not on the COVID list, and they're not starting their wide receiver at quarterback. Um, but Denver, I, Denver scares me be, again, though, because their, their, their defense can, can be good. There's no Von Miller to worry about this week. Um, and, and I know they are down three of their starting defensive backs. So that's also a big hit to, to their team. Um, but I, again, I, I think the bills are fine this week. It, Drew Locke doesn't scare me nearly as much as what, um, 
Nick Mullins did or what Ben Roethlisberger did. I'm not going to give you my final score prediction. Visit uh, billswear.usatoday.com for that. <laughs> nice plug. But but <laughs> I had to do it. Um, but uh, I wrote in my prediction piece that just went up uh, seven things to watch in the prediction that I do every week. Not it's not, not always seven. It happened to be seven this week. But my prediction had the name Matt Barkley in it. Not for anything other than maybe at the end of this game, we have a guy named Matt Barkley taking some snaps because between these cornerback injuries, I don't know what Drew Locke is going to show up. The only thing that doesn't – not even scares me, but um, in terms of the Bills, I mean, you have so much confidence in their secondary, even with their number two cornerback situation sometimes being in limbo between Levi Wallace and uh, Josh Norman. Um, Drew Locke, the only thing he slightly did different last week was like, kind of checked the ball down. I think he completed 78% of his passes, which is obviously very good, um, but that kind of like blew out of the water what he has done at all, because Charlie, to your point, he kind of is just like, well, we're going to go 20 yards down the left side of the field this time, and just, he just throw, throws it up, and he the first time in his career last week. So um, that's the only reason maybe you want to be nervous, and you really have zero reason to be nervous about that. I guess, I guess I don't know. This Bills run defense has done enough for me in the last couple weeks. The only team I think in their past, man, don't quote me on this. I think it's five games. Actually, quote me on that. I think it's five games. The only team that went over 100 yards rushing against them was Kyler Murray, led Cardinals, which is basically you're facing two running backs in every single play, right? Which is a lot different than any other team you're facing. So I think their run defense is a lot better, even – you know, both limited this week. Uh, Lindsay, they both played last week, though, so I'd expect them to play this week. And I think regardless of, of who's who's running the ball for them, I just – I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm – I never sip the Kool-Aid. I pretend the Kool-Aid every week in Western New York is like cyanide, poison. I've done this for many years, you know. Like, I just don't do it. But I just see – I just cannot see the Bills not, not smoking the Broncos this week, honestly. There's just too much on the line this week. It's not just a playoff spot. It's the AFC East title that you haven't won exactly. in. Exactly, and I, I forgot to mention everything that they have to play for, right? You know. The, the, I forgot, the, forgot all that. I'm drinking the damn Kool-Aid. See? <laughs> Get in the Kool-Aid, man. Stay away. No, I, I mean, at the end of the day, that's the biggest thing. And, you know, we, we've said it so many times, or at least I've said it so many times this season, that – Oh, we're going to find out what this team's made of. Oh, we're going to find out what this team's made of. Oh, we're going to find out how good this team is, whatever it might be. But this team is, and and, and I guess this fan base, is going to find out just how good their team really is. Because you know what? This is the first time all year where they're really sitting. And you could say, sure, the Pittsburgh game, they're sitting on a, you know, more or less a win and get in, but they still needed help on Monday night. This is the first time this year they're sitting on a win and get in situation and not just a win and get in. It's a win and win the AFC East. And who knows what might happen with Pittsburgh down the line. If Buffalo can keep winning, they could still get that number two spot, which unfortunately this year doesn't get you a buy, but you still got to play for that number two spot right now in the AFC uh, playoff pitcher. So yeah, it's great. Go out, win the AFC East. That's what's on the line this week. But we're going to find out just how mature this team really is, how good this team really is, and more or less, can these guys just continue to play at a high level with, I don't want to say everything on the line, but a lot on the line. I, I mean, really everything on the line. It's it's how many people are going to be at the airport if they win the AFC East title on on on, on Saturday? Like, 
I mean, they were there when they clinched the playoff spot. Are people going to go storm the airport on Saturday too if they win? Like, God, I hope not. I want to leave my apartment at some point. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> but a, as, as, long as, as long as everybody wears a mask, I would, uh, I would imagine that is has a high probability. Yes, thank you, Nick. So, Nick, Nick Veronica, what about what about going to you? I mean, what do you feel like uh, going into this week? Um, we'll make score predictions later. Uh, yeah, let's make them now. You want you? I'll give you mine right now. I said last week the Bills wouldn't yeah, by two touchdowns. They won. They won by eleven. So I I felt like I was close. I'm confident in my pick this week. I think the Bills went big this week. Nick, to your point, I think we see Matt Barkley this week. I think we see Matt Barkley for a whole quarter. I think Josh Allen just gets three quarters this week and he's out. I think the Bills win by twenty points this week. I think the Bills win forty to twenty. I'm throwing it I, out there. Wow. And you know wow. what? And, I, and I'm also going to make this prediction again because he almost had one last week. Andre Roberts is going to return a kick for a touchdown, <laughs> kick or punt. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I was surprised the line is only six this week. The Bills. The Bills. Uh, I guess that's a lot when you're going on the road, but the, on a short week. But uh, the Bills. Bills should win. Huge. The cornerback issues, like Nick said, uh, Cole Beasley should have a huge, huge day. Moving the ball should be easy for the offense and for the defense. Like Denver still doesn't really scare me that much. Um, I'm going to say let's go Bills 31, Broncos 17. Nice pick. Nice pick. Yeah, you're pretty close to what I had. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I did I did not look beforehand if that's I, what you were playing. <laughs> I actually at one point wrote that out, but I changed the score for I took a touchdown away for the Broncos um, and added a field. They are known garbage time team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, uh, yeah, I I mean, I'm in the same ballpark as you, though, Nick. I, I... Gotcha. All right. And, again, I have the first name. So hopefully I, can, <laughs> hopefully I can get a free cameo from Matt Barkley for bringing him up on a podcast. <laughs> Hey, quickly, when I was looking this up earlier, Matt Barkley is on the last year of his contract. I imagine you guys would both want to see him resign. Is there any reason not to do that? I mean, at this at this point, I, I why not? A, B, uh, what is Jake Fromm doing? <laughs> he's like, he's, 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 he's your COVID, COVID quarterback. If if Buffalo gets into like, a situation like, like Denver, I, not, Jake they could have Jake Fromm. Yeah, they they might cut him yeah. next year. That's possible. Yeah, no, I could. I, I, I mean, why not? They got, they got. I mean, what, what more do you expect from what Matt Barkley has done? Other than, I mean, damn, uh, he he probably was dealing with a couple bruises after the Chargers game. He went in for one snap. Find <laughs> able tried to get cute. And he, got he got killed by Joey Bosa of all people. Like he got smoked. <laughs> he actually, I tweeted him from the Bills Wire account to like make a joke he was like oh wow i hope joey's okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it reminded me it's of, uh, kind of the, funny. the game Derek anderson came out of retirement like to just be a, a scarecrow basically and just get annihilated every time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah he got to be a uh he got to be a little figurine or whatever on those stupid monday night football things i mean that he played on monday night football for the bills that's, against the Patriots. like like uh a week or two ago when Josh Allen was uh, on Home Alone with Kali Culkin, that mm-hmm. little graphic that went viral or whatever. Um, yeah, Derek Anderson. I remember that. He was in like a floating thing or something, like on a river, and he's like, 
four quarterbacks that played for the Bills this year, and they were like, oh, here comes Daryl. I mean, hey. Um, All right, Charlie. I, 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 I'm sorry, real go ahead, quick, go ahead. Your Matt Barkley point. Um, I'm okay if they resign him. I don't care really one way or the other. The only way that I would not want to see them resign him is if there's a better backup out there. I don't think Matt Barkley is bad, but um, I think if Josh Allen was to get hurt at any point early on this year, I don't see this team winning uh, 10 games without Josh Allen. Um, and I don't feel like Matt Barkley would be that guy. Um, you know, I'm not saying go out and find a guy like a Nick Foles, but I mean, if you can get Nick Foles for cheap to be your backup, he's a much better backup than what he is a starter. So, um, you know, without that all said, I'm fine either way, but if you can find a better backup, um, go right ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I, I, but to your point, Nick, I don't think Jake Fromm is maybe there next year. Maybe he's more of a practice squad type of guy. Um, but I don't hate that they thought ahead and were like, Hey, we're going to go get ourselves a good quarterback to be our COVID quarterback in case we run into these, the situation and look at what happened in Denver. Look what almost happened with, uh, Baltimore as well. Um, you know, so, so kudos to brand to Brandon Bean and kudos, by the way, we haven't mentioned it yet. Um, Kudos on the contract resigning too for for Brandon Bean as well. Glad he's in Buffalo to stay for a few more years. Yeah, that almost seemed like a, like a done deal that we didn't even need to worry about. Like it was, if it hadn't happened, we're like, yeah, it's gonna happen. I if I was the objective reporter that I was uh, at one point, I would have probably asked why it took so long. That's a good question. That's fair. But I don't know if it was like a COVID thing or. Like, you know, McDermott did get re-signed in, in August, and we're in December now. And it took that long, yeah. so um, I don't know. Holy maybe it's easier. more money, yeah. Well, and, and, and I'm, hearing yeah, that, I'm hearing that both contracts are through 2025, so each one is mm-hmm. um, mirroring the other one. So um, both contracts will be up again in 2025. We'll see where this team is by then. Um, maybe, maybe three Super Bowl wins in. We'll see. <laughs> next, the next right. NFL yeah. dynasty, baby. All right, we got to get to lightning round here before we let Nick go. Charlie, quickly, following up from last week, we mentioned Cole Beasley had the most touchdown receptions ever for anyone under 5'9", and we couldn't figure out who the rest of the guys were. Uh, CBS tweeted this today. Number two, Darren Sproles. We probably should have thought of that one. And then Stephen Baker, Buddy Young, and Tim Dwight I am less familiar with. But Darren Sproles was the answer. Who was uh, who Beasley passed? If that was a Jeopardy question, I would have got that wrong. So now you know. Now you know. The more uh, you know. Woden. Nick Woden, managing editor of the Bills Wires, here with us for lightning round. Charlie, you're just we can just alternate questions here, and Nick, you just give us what you got. All right. All right. Let's do it. Woden, you are uh, you are in uh, Astoria, Queens, right now. Let's say you are back in Buffalo for one day. Where are you going out to eat? Where am I going out to eat? Um, man, all right, lightning round. So I'll be quick. Um, I mean, I I I do like a good wing. I feel like I got some good wing places here in Astoria, but I think as, as silly as it sounds, I love Mighty Taco. So I think I would go to Mighty Taco. To be honest with you. Quick follow. I love, I love, yeah. Quick follow. I love, a, what I love is, a good muddy pack. <laughs> what is the best wing place you found in New York? 
Best wing place in New York. There's actually a place right near me in Astoria, Queens. It's called uh, Blackbirds. It's actually owned by people that are from Buffalo. Like they beef on wax on the menu and stuff. Mm. And actually, there are a couple good wing places here. But the problem is, as you fellas probably know, these has to be good. It has to, obviously. But a lot of the places here just have, you know, like a store bought. Like this place, Blackbirds, mm-hmm. has like a legit homemade blue cheese. So like whenever I go to their wing, whenever I go for wings, it's always Blackbirds in Astoria. It's on 30th Avenue in Astoria for anyone in New York City listening. They have. Great wings, great blue cheese. All right. All right, so sticking on wings, are you a drums or flats guy? Oh, I mean, I don't think you're wrong either way. I actually just got asked this recently, but if I go into my head, I go go flats. Okay. More blue cheese, more blue cheese. I like the thought. Uh, Nick, you've been quarantined in New York City this whole time. What is your best quarantine hack that you'd like to share with us? Um, first, uh, my first thing that I, I did in quarantine was I started to pick up yoga. Uh, that kind of fell off. But um, as I kind of mentioned to you guys a little bit before, on my days off of working, I will hop on. I ordered a bike off of Amazon, paid a couple hundred dollars for it to avoid the gym. And I also got an n64 so i will my workout and like hangout time just meshes and i literally will work out while playing mario kart on my n64 and whatever hate me all you want but you know i'm wow. pretty good in the grand, i'm pretty good at the grand prix if ever, anyone wants to come to astoria queens and get get the hands of mario kart so that, that's like a peloton where you could go through like the scenic tours you're taking the mario kart tour you're taking rainbow road yeah, literally, literally. Yeah. Everyone's like, you know, did you buy a Peloton? And I'm like, relax. I'm a sports writer. I don't make that kind of. But, um, you, know, uh, you know, I got a bike and it's it gets the job done. I sweat. And I don't know if it's because, you know, Luigi passed me or, you know, I'm a track or I'm working out. It's one of those two. Oh, man. That's good. So I got to ask, looking at your headline on uh, on Twitter, you have hashtag The Bachelor. So, who is your all-time favorite bachelor, or, ba- or, or 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 I guess say or bachelor at contestant? So, any favorite guy on any of the show? Uh, I guess there's I guess there'd be two picks I would have. One, um, Nick Vial was the first like person I literally like not attached to on the show. I watch the show in like an objective way where I just kind of laugh at everything. Like they're all doing it for Instagram followers. Like I don't, I don't love the bachelor. They're not looking for love in eight weeks. They're looking for Instagram <laughs> followers to make money off of advertisements. Like, um, so Nick Vial was the first guy that I literally was like, oh, his name's Nick. I guess I'll, I guess I'll like this guy. And then he ended up being like, he's just a dummy, like the rest of them. But there's a guy from Buffalo who was on it and was a finalist. His name's Jason Tardick. And he literally went on a hometown date in Buffalo. And he, in the background, I, I kid you not, in the background of, of the episode, he walks by my apartment that I was living at on Elmwood <laughs> Avenue in Buffalo, where I was like, home. I was like, you know that Leo DiCaprio uh, meme? Yes. Pointing? That was literally me. I was like, oh, I know that. It was, it was, it was a moment. Yeah. I guess uh, I remember screaming at the TV. But that was, that was it. So, well, so, was wired, so. Oh, all right. There you go. Jason's by far my favorite. I mean, I'm, and I don't watch so much anymore. My <laughs> wife watched it re- religiously, but uh, you know, him being from Buffalo and going back to Buffalo, I'm watching it with my wife, and I'm like, look, we've been there. Oh, look, I took you there. It's like, look, you, yeah. you already lived the show. You don't have to ever worry about watching it again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If anyone who's listening has connections with Jason, we're trying to get Jason on the podcast. Send us a DM. We'll make it happen. Yes, please. If you're, 
you're getting Jason on. I need to. I need to hop on too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who's, who's your Who's your favorite Who's your favorite Bills wire person, Jason? <laughs> I, I what if he doesn't say you though? Like, does that Does that just like? What if it's not you? So He's like, mm, we. I, 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 uh, we, we, I had, we had Brad Gelber on before. He, if he says Brad instead of you, that's going to hurt. He would be, if he said Brad Gelber instead of me, I would, he would, Jason Tardick would become the only person ever blocked by the Bill Blair Twitter account. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, next lightning round question. All right. Uh, speaking of your, your, uh, your, your Buffalo, so that was when you were living on Elmwood, but I want to ask you are from Niagara Falls, lightning round. Do people in Niagara Falls, or you specifically, ever worry about what uh, kind of chemicals are in the ground? <laughs> um, no, I, not me. Per- I don't know. I guess it depends. In Niagara Falls, you know, uh, you know, I'm in New York City right now. We mentioned Astoria. Then you think of the famous neighborhoods, you know, like Harlem or whatever like that. It's just, you know, little names and neighborhoods. Niagara Falls has that too, mm-hmm. where it's basically like, you know, downtown. And then there's uh, Cayuga and then LaSalle. And then I lived in DeVoe, which is like basically the complete other end of Niagara Falls, uh, which is near Niagara University. I live in Stones Throw away from there. Uh, I could see Canada basically from my parents' uh the front yard right now where they eventually moved to but um yeah no i did not li- i did not grow up near love canal basically long and short of it um niagara falls used to have two high schools there not just niagara falls high school there's niagara falls and lasalle lasalle is more of the love canal, three, so. right? yeah you know trot too yeah you're right that was even further back in the day but i was thinking more my brother who's who's yeah eight nine years older than me he he was you know right in the kind of right in the beginning of uh of when the two high schools kind of merged together. I forgot you're right. There's three, there's trot, but um, yeah, no, I didn't grow up in that area. So I guess, I don't know. I guess my biggest worry was that somebody was going to figure out a way like Spider-Man was going to climb the Niagara Gorge and like knock on my door or something. <laughs> that was more of a fear for me. That was, that's it. That, no love canal near me. <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. So you already answered my question about the uh, blue cheese and ranch. It's usually my go-to, but uh Christmas is right around the corner. Would you rather have, if you had a pick, okay, from from now till forever, would you rather have an endless amount of Christmas cookies or endless amount of hot chocolate? Hmm. Well, that's that's a tough one. I mean, I do thoroughly enjoy both. I mean, who won it? I would probably go with the cookies because I, I think I drink too much coffee anyways. Like I'm, I have, I don't have it near me. Oh, Nick, you just muted yourself there. Pardon. Uh, I don't know how much I'd probably go with the, the cookies over the hot chocolate just because I think I have a problem with drinking too much coffee. Like I, I literally went on Amazon and I, I custom, not custom ordered, but I, I looked for the biggest coffee mug they had, and I paid like 15 bucks. It actually looks like – it's really goofy. It looks like a solo cup, but it's a coffee mug, so it kind of looks like I'm a frat boy trying to be cool. <laughs> it's the biggest mug that I could use for coffee, and I drink a cup plus a small cup three times in a day. So I feel like I'm wired enough to where the, like, you know, the methodical – choice for me would be to go with like a cookie instead of more like just just mm. hot beverage maybe that could caffeine. replace some coffee for you get out of here <laughs> no. <laughs> no way. No way. 
All right, right Matt, Rocco, yeah, we got one uh, one question left before you go. Uh, you went to college in Oswego. Give us your best uh, family friendly Oswego story. Family friendly Oswego story. Uh, podcast I feel friendly. Like not much from Oswego. Podcast friendly. Podcast friendly. Um, I guess uh, you know, keeping it PG. Uh, you know, I'm watching primetime football now. The Bills are going to play on Monday Night Football again in two weeks from now, but. Um, they're keeping it PG. There was an establishment of bar um, where I walked in and everyone got a shot bought by Steve Levy for them. So Steve, oh, Le- all right. he's an alumnus of Oswego, Steve Levy. Um, and yeah, yeah. So I've had a drink with Steve Levy before. Um, and yeah, yeah. So uh, shout out Oswego. And all right. Then, uh, shout out Steve Levy. Wow. Okay. Yeah, alum. And then speaking of ESPN people, another sidebar. Um, what's, what's his name? I'm sorry. I, I think it's his correct. Ian Ott, the Sabres PR guy. Mm-hmm. He is he's an Oswego guy. Joe Yurden, um, previously with the Athletic, um, still kicking around the Sabres scene. He went to Oswego. Um, so did Linda Cohn, who mm-hmm. had a Sabres press box one night. And I remember the three of them were talking, and I just walked up, and I was like, I know you guys are talking about Oswego at some point. So that's how I met Linda Cohn was like, Nice. That's cool. That's cool. Every there's an Oswego like you know they Sabres press box one. So yeah, but the Steve Levy buy me a shot one. Linda Cohn didn't buy me a thing. <laughs> <laughs> cheap. She's cheap. Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, Nick. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell the people where they can find you online. Yeah, um, Nick underscore Woden on Twitter, which you will not know how to spell. Um, Nick underscore W O J as in Jack Eichel. T O N. Uh, people remember it. Uh, and yeah, at, at the Bills Wire, uh, Bills Wire USA Today, I, I do a bunch of stuff for you know all the other outlets too. I kind of chip in um, wherever I can there. Um, and yeah, so uh, that's where you can find all my Bills stuff. And just, you know, go Bills guys and go process podcast. I, I thoroughly deserve this interview today because I gave you guys a shout out on, uh, on whatever it was earlier this week on Nick's. Uh, Double digit primetime wins. Shout out Nick Veronica for that one. So yeah, but so definitely thanks for having me, guys. I'll definitely come back uh, at any point. I, I delayed my Chinese food order by like an hour for this, and I'm totally fine with that. I had a good time. Right, well, thank you for that. You go get yourself some Chinese food, and <laughs> I, I uh, earned, you're always welcome on. Appreciate it. I earned, earned that orange uh, chicken I'm about to get tonight. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, excellent, Nick. Thank you very much, man. You, uh, you know, we, obviously we won't talk to you, but you have a very Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, and uh, maybe we'll get you on for some playoff talk this season. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. You have a great holiday, too, guys. See you, Nick. Thanks, man. All right. I think that's going to do it for us. Charlie, wrap us up. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, first of all, again, thanks to Nick for, for joining us. Um, you know, I really like everything that he writes weekly. If you haven't checked out his Bill's Wire stuff, uh, make sure you go online and look it up. Uh, Bills Wire USA Today. Uh, usually, I see I see a lot of this stuff also posted over on Yahoo as well. So, if there's any Yahoo Sports folks on here uh, that like to read their sports news on Yahoo Sports, that's where you can find it. Um, but yeah, man. Again, uh, big win last week against Pittsburgh. I'm expecting another big win this week against Denver. I'm really enjoying these primetime games, though. And uh, like I wanted to say before, shout out to – well, I wouldn't say shout out, but I'm calling out our boy Bray for constantly reminding everyone that the Bills are undefeated at 1 o'clock on Sundays. Well, you know what? They're also 
uh, undefeated right now in primetime football this this season. So add that in to your little stats there, Bray. But um, anyway, fun show. Nick, tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. At Nick Veronica. Simple, easy, beautiful. At Nick Veronica on Twitter. And follow the show at the underscore process pod on Twitter. Follow me at chowit 68 on Twitter. And I think we covered everyone's handles because we don't have the Facebook or Instagram thing going. But uh, guys, remember, always tweet us, comments, questions, anything you have. Always hit us up. We're always looking for some questions. Um, speaking of that, Nick, I do have one, and I forgot to bring this up earlier. I do have one fan question this week because oh, we were okay. talking playoffs. I go have for to it. Um, if so, so I guess not if when the Bills host mm-hmm. a home playoff game this season, mm-hmm. do you think the fans will storm the Ralph to try Wait. to get in? Break down the gates, somehow find a way into that stadium for the game. Um, I'm gonna say no, hoping people aren't that stupid. And I will give you the reasoning. I know that you would like to see this game, right? The Buffalo Bills. This is not like one year wonder team when when Tyrod Taylor was good enough to get them into the playoffs. Okay, this is the franchise. There's gonna be more games like this. Don't get yourself banned from the stadium being an idiot this season, okay? Think about it long-term. There's more games coming. You're going to want to be at those. Don't do anything stupid this year. Bill's Mafia, listen to Nick Veronica. Don't be dumb. We can all watch the game at home. The team's team's playing good without us there. They don't need us right now. It's warmer Uh, inside. Stay inside. Warmer inside. You, You may get frostbite. Or something. You don't need the hand warmers inside your house. Maybe just a nice little log on the fire. But uh, no, I, I mean, I don't think they will either. But you never know. There's some. There's some crazy Bills Mafia fans out there that may say, "Hey, let's let let's get something together and go down there." But uh, I am also. I'm not doubting though that the fans show up at the airport if they clinch the AFC East on Saturday. That I will say. I think. Yeah, I think that's a good bet. Just, I, I, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, wear a mask, guys. Yeah. Oh, by the way, a mask when it's cold out, a mask helps you stay warm, like covers your face a little bit. It's nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. I got I got I got a mask. I had even a nice warm one for when it gets cold in Atlanta, but I don't need it down here in Florida because the weather's just absolutely gorgeous. All right. That's um, that's enough from you today. <laughs> <laughs> right, sorry, sorry, I forgot you're dealing with 20 <laughs> degrees and snow up there. You know how dare I forget. But uh again, guys, appreciate everyone tuning in. Appreciate everyone listening. Thanks again to uh Nick from Bill's Wire. Guys, tweet us questions, comments, everything at the underscore process on Twitter or process pod on Twitter um, at Nick Veronica at childwit 68. We'll talk to you guys next week. Go Bills. And remember to always trust the process.